morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dice, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in a beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power of Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band would you leave the audience wanting more? Before we get to our show today, I've got to send another quick shout out to our friends up in Colorado on tap. Credit Union, Tracy Wilcox, and the entire team there. Holy cow, that show was and is a runaway hit. So to everybody at ONTAP Credit Union, cheers and Colorado strong. And thank you so much for just another great episode here on the Power of Performance podcast. I had an email. Speaking of great shows, number one show of 2020 right now is BAM. It's Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, the show we did with John Wilkening. And he sent me an email earlier this week. Uh, He had been invited to a webinar that had been scheduled for four hours. He said he only made it for 23 minutes. And uh, congratulations on that feat, folks. Stop wasting your time on these ridiculous hour-long webinars by non-banking professionals trying to tell you how to make your banking brand better. Tracy Wilcox and John Wilkening and Brian Heinrichs and the people we've had on this show have forgotten more about banking than many of these webinar hosts will ever learn. And you don't need to be wasting your time and your members' money if you're a credit union because the employee's time is the member's money. And time is our most valuable commodity. An hour long of anything, if it's not inspiring, if it's not enjoyable, you're not going to remember it anyway. And almost as bad as these terrible webinars that I've seen are the banking professionals who take to LinkedIn and other social media afterwards to congratulate the host of the webinar on a webinar that those people congratulating them didn't even listen to. How do I know? Because I call people and ask them, hey, I saw that you liked that webinar. What was it about? Oh, well, I didn't really have a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I think it's great that they were trying. How many times do I have to explain this? The concept of intentions. If you are a banking brand, let me ask you something. If a customer or member says, hey, I intended to make my car payment this month but couldn't, okay, we'll work with you. If they're saying that six months from now, hey, I intended to make that payment. I intended to pay off that loan when I got it. I didn't know things were going to change or I was going to lose my job. How long do you allow a customer or a member to say, I intended to make my payment before the folks in your repossessions and collections department kick in to do the unpleasant work that they have to do? Intentions are meaningless. Results keep the lights on. Results are how you get paid. And speaking of getting paid, I've always been fascinated by how people pay for things and how people get paid for services and products. This goes back, I was still traveling with the musicians in those days. We went out to these banking conferences and put on a full-on spoken and musical performance, leaving the other speakers with their 90 PowerPoint slides, you know, twiddling their thumbs in the background, wondering why do we have to follow these guys. And we were at the breakfast kiosk that morning at the hotel. I think it was in Seattle before that city was burned to the ground. And the, we were pay- I was paying for, like, you know, coffee and a blueberry muffin. 
and the person behind the counter hands me this weird-looking payment terminal. I'd never seen anything like it before. And it, I said, what is this? And she goes, oh, it's square. I was like, what do you mean it's square? What is, what is this thing? I've never seen this before. I'm thinking, okay, this little device is going to connect my debit card and the $23 in my bank account to a villa on the Black Sea in the Ukraine, and that'll be that for my identity in my bank account. And Scott and Nick, who were with me, they were much younger than I was, uh, the young musicians, goes, oh, no, that's square. Yeah, we use it back home in Allentown to sell CDs after our gigs. And they both had one. In their pocket, in their bag. And I was like, I've never seen one of these things. Do you remember when the rumor became the reality? So I've always been fascinated by payments, and I've always been curious why, in some cases, I feel like the United States has lagged behind other parts of the world when it comes to payments technology. So I thought, who better to ask about this than Tom Paschal? He is the strategic partnership executive over at Thrive Pay. You can find their website right there embedded in the episode description. He's going to talk to us about that. Support, solutions, success, live it, learn it. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Go ahead and Google that. Millennials in a good movie if you want to check it out. If you want to know what high school was like for your parents back in the 19th. We're going to talk to Tom Pascal about Thrive Pay and about payments and the future of payments, and we're going to do it all right after this. Ten years, over 500 episodes, and no equals. This is the Power Performance Podcast. Uh, yes, Dire Straits, classic, Money for Nothing. I've always said that is the perfect theme song for many of these banking consultants out there. However, um, you don't usually get money for nothing. You've got to get paid, and how you get paid is changing, and so we wanted to talk to Tom Pascal about it. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm good, Jason. Thank you. Hey, it is so good to have you on the show. Yes. Thank you. Tom was kind enough to join us twice last week to record this interview. The hamster powering the servers at Blog Talk Radio up in New York suffered a massive aneurysm, and so the first show failed, but he was good enough to come back and tell us about his career in payments. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So um, started back in 96 with with First Data as a sales rep in an industry that – I really didn't know anything about. Uh, I saw an ad in the paper on Sunday and applied for a position. And, and uh, once I started interviewing uh, for that position and, and got to know the industry a little bit better, uh, something I, I found a great deal of interest in. So, uh, like I said, started as a sales rep with First Data, and within the year I was promoted to a sales manager. And that's where probably most of my career within the industry has been is, is in sales management. And, working with banks and, and credit unions to, to provide this service to their customers. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but most, most banks don't provide this, this service themselves just because of the technology and everything involved with it. They'll, they'll, they'll partner up with a provider, um, and, and that's where I've been. So uh, back in March, uh, due to the COVID, uh, my previous position was eliminated, and Long came thrive, so it's been a, a, a nice uh, uh, a nice move for me uh, to, to to get together with them. And as you mentioned, yeah, I saw a strategic partnership um, 
representative, what I do is I work with the community banks and uh, credit unions to talk to them about partnering with Thrive to, to offer merchant services to their customers. I think COVID-19 has compressed three or five years of inevitable changes into three or five, three to five months. And so I asked Tom, how is COVID-19 going to impact the payments marketplace? No, that's a, that's a great point. I've always said, I've always felt that in, in the past, there was, I've always felt there was two things that, that dictated uh, how this industry would change, and that was technology and advances in technology, such as, um, you know, smartphones. Uh, as well as fraud, you know, what, what can we do to keep the bad guys from, from hacking systems and things like that? Well, now you can add a third thing to those two, and that's, that's a virus. Yeah. Uh, so based on, on COVID, you're, you're exactly right. I think these are some things that were in the plans that, um, that were accelerated. So contactless uh, terminals, mobile wallets, again, anything where we can keep the, the customers safe from uh, you know, any type of contact is, is, is going gonna, is gonna to benefit everybody. So, again, the mobile wallets, um, and I'm sure you've got them on your phone yourself. Um, you've probably been to a restaurant recently where before you handed them their credit card, they disappeared for a little bit and came back with your, your receipt. Now it's, um, again, they don't, want, uh, they don't want you parting with your cars any longer. So it's going to be a point where everything is done remotely. Had you told me in the year 2000 that one day I'd be able to simply speak into this little rectangular device in my back pocket or in my jacket pocket and find a restaurant and pay for the meal using that device and place a review for that restaurant on social media networks that could be accessed anywhere in the world, I would have thought that sounded a little out there. If you can look ahead 20 years, what changes do you see coming in the payments marketplace? And, and I don't know if it's 20 years from now. Some of this stuff is already out there. Um, Amazon has something called Dash Carts, where you can go into an Amazon store. And as you load things into your cart, uh, it automatically tallies that to, the, to your, your system and, and adds it on. And you've, you've got a running total right there on your cart that can tell you what you've got in your cart, how much it costs so far, what your running total is. Uh, it has sensors to, to wave produce, things, things like that. Um, if you take something out of the cart, it'll, it'll subtract it from that. So a lot of these things are, are, are here now. But, again, I just think as we move into the future, it's just going to be more and more where that, that, that plastic card that we've had in our wallet forever uh, will no longer be using. I have to agree with you, and although I have headphones on and you probably couldn't hear it, on cue, as soon as you said that, the uh, Amazon Prime email came in my inbox. (laughs) Jeff Bezos, if you're listening to us right now, your hairstyle is the pits, buddy. I know know you're listening, and I've got one of those voice-activated smart speakers right here in my office. I know you're listening. uh, Just right on cue, as soon as I have ping, and there it was in the uh, the studio. Next, I asked Tom about something that's always perplexed me. Several years ago on the show, we had a young lady from the island country of Cyprus on the show talking about these cool uh, wristbands, like the like the Livestrong rubber wristbands that had a chip inside that you could pay for things. And I was fascinated because here in New Braunfels, where so much of our local economy is driven by water sports, I thought, man, these would be a great way to pay for things when you're on the river because they were waterproof. And it kind of struck me as a guy that I believe the United States is the greatest country 
ever we put a guy on the moon, we invented the Super Bowl, electricity, all these great innovations, and yet we seem to lag behind the global marketplace when it comes to payments. And I asked Tom about that. You know, and that's funny you ask that because if you look at the chip card, that's a that's somewhere where we definitely lag behind in the states. We're, oh, we were eight, absolutely. nine years behind. Yes, uh, Europe, Asia, and and, uh, and other countries. I just think it's a matter of as Americans, a we're a little bit lazy, but I think also <laughs> we're just we're we're just not as trusting with technology. Mm. As, as other countries might be, where it's more of a, hey, show me this is going to work. Don't just tell me I need to see it a few times before I'm going to buy into it. But uh, it, it's so funny you say that because that, the chip card is a perfect example of that. Where, you know, it, So, again, I just think it goes back to Americans just being a little bit more leery about things, especially when it comes to their money and especially when it comes to technology. We're just always you know, worried about the password thing and, and, and all of that. So, no, it's a good point. Tom's appearance on this show was actually delayed when he tested positive for COVID-19, and he was not asymptomatic, and so I asked him how he was doing. Well, thank you for asking. So I, I feel great. I feel fine. Um, you know, people say that it's, it, 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 it's they compare it to the flu, and it is from the standpoint that it's the worst flu you'll ever have. Um, so, yes, I, I had it for about uh, two weeks been about three days in the hospital, you know, that they talk about that breathing part of it, and that, that did start to affect me towards the end, so I thought it would be best to go to the hospital and get checked in, and so I feel great now, um, very lucky, um, so yeah, it's, it, you know, one of those things I never thought it would be me, but, but it did yeah. happen. Well, we're very glad that Tom is feeling better, and finally I asked him, hey, when you're not at work, what kinds of things do you enjoy doing away from the job? I love, I, I love to cook. Um, oh. I love to try new things, which I don't know if my wife likes that so much, but I, I love trying new new recipes, new things. I, I have a, a couple of gardens out in the backyard with herbs and, and vegetables I like to, to use when I do cook, but uh, that's what I like to do most. Oh, that's, that is great stuff. I, too, do a lot of the cooking here in the family. I'm not sure all my experiments work out. I'm going to say that the, uh, no, no, pork, the pork rib omelet was a big failure. <laughs> yes, that didn't go over very well. And, um, uh, and just in case the guys at Amazon are listening, I, I, too, have an herb garden out back that we keep hidden from the DEA on occasion. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing illegal. It is, uh, it is all oregano and basil and majorum and stuff. And, of course, you can find Tom out on LinkedIn. And like I said, the Thrive Pay website is right there in the episode description. We thank Tom so much for taking some time out of his day to join us on the Power of Performance podcast. And Jason, thank you so much for having me, and I really enjoy your show. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Hey, great job, right, everybody? Yeah. Well, you heard Tom say that the future is now when it comes to payment technology. And so if you're looking for support, solutions, and success, check out our friends at Thrive Pay. And next week, check out a new podcast I'm starting called Be the ball. I used to be an avid 
golfer, and you know how it is. You come and go sometimes with things like that. And during the pandemic, it was one of the last things that got shut down and one of the first things to open. We've got a beautiful golf course nearby. My parents live on the fourth tee box of Olympia Hills Country Club. I grew up at the Woodlake Golf and Country Club down in Bear County near San Antonio. Uh, and I picked up the game of golf, I guess, relatively late in life, right after the Gulf War in 1991, 1992. Two. And so this podcast is not about – you can't really demonstrate how to play better golf in a podcast. It's about what happens between the ears when you play golf. It's still the only game, I think, where you are always competing against yourself. And I spoke at over 400 of these banking conferences, and a lot of times there was a golf tournament that went along with them. And the folks that played in those tournaments treated them like they were the masters at Augusta. And so it's going to be a fun podcast talking about a game that many of us love, even though sometimes it drives us absolutely nuts. So I'll be posting that early next week. And I always ask our guests off the air, hey, do you have a favorite band or a favorite artist, musical artist? And uh, Tom mentioned someone, someone, a band that I had not heard of. He mentioned that he had gone to a John Mayer concert with his wife several years back and really enjoyed the opening act, which is really cool. That's how uh, a lot of bands get started as the opening act. And so he mentioned the name of the band, a band called Guster. And so we'll get out of here with some Guster, a great song for the time of the year. This is summertime. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Guster left uh, Tom and his wife wanting more, and isn't that what we all want for our brand? And I enjoyed this song. I don't, you don't hear a lot of flute in uh, contemporary music, and the flute has a beautiful sound to it, I believe, so I enjoyed it. Hey, until next week, speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Thank you.